honest conversations with interesting people. Hi, I'm Mike from the Genuine Chit Chat Podcast, and I talk to a wide variety of guests across an eclectic range of interesting topics. People I've spoken to include a magister from the Church of Satan, a blind Australian filmmaker, a puppeteer from Labyrinth and Dark Crystal, and I also speak to musicians of all kinds of genres, authors, actors, podcasters. Really, there is no limit to who I speak to, and the subject matter is endless. So if you believe in the art of conversation and want to hear different people talking about their passions, then this is the perfect show for you. You can find Genuine Chit Chat anywhere you listen to podcasts, and there's some video versions on YouTube, so there's no reason not to tune in. Imagine twin Earths, each the image of the verdant globe on which we live. Imagine these two worlds, forever separated by a limbo of interdimensional space. Identical planets evolving separately across the millennia, each witnessing the birth of man, then the dawn of civilization, and finally the beginning of the age of superheroes. On one world, the world we'll call Earth 2, the superheroes started to arrive on Earth in the early part of the 20th century, when a rocket ship brought the star child Kal-El to safety. Kal-El began his career as Superman in the early days of World War II as the first of the great heroes, and soon he was joined by other heroes, and they joined forces to become the first super team in history, the Justice Society of America. Thus, the two worlds not only coexist, one inhabited by the familiar Flash, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and other heroes of the Justice League, and the other by the original superheroes. These, then, are the legendary members of the Justice Society. Welcome to Episode 3 of Earth 2 in the Bronze Age, Crisis on Earth 1, from Justice League of America, number 21. Thanks for joining me today in this new endeavor. As one might expect from someone who loves the Golden Age of Comics, which I explore on the Classic Comics Show, one of my other comic passions is the original Earth 2, as depicted in the DC Comics stories of the Silver and Bronze Age. While this show aims to revisit the stories from the Bronze Age, so that's roughly 1970 through 1985, we have to start with some context. My initial idea was to start with the relaunch of All-Star Comics with issue 58, 1975. That's a February 76 cover date. But it was quickly apparent that I needed to add some context to the very at the very beginning. So what better way with the origin and first appearance of the Earth 2 concept from The Flash number 123, which I covered in the first episode. In episode 2, we looked at the vengeance of the immortal villain from The Flash number 137, the story with the first appearance of the JSA in the Silver Age. We also briefly looked at their flashback appearance in The Flash number 129. Today, we begin the two-part crossover of the Justice League of America's first meeting with the Justice Society from Justice League of America number 21 and 22. Not only is this the first crossover of the two teams that began a yearly summer event up through the Bronze Age, it's also the first time the word crisis is used for a DC event or major story. 
Not the first time ever it was used, sure it was used somewhere, but this is the in first instance that began nearly all DC event comics utilizing the word, word crisis. It will be used in titles uh, of a number of JLA-JSA crossovers, but eventually, for the series that elim eliminated the Earth 2 concept from continuity, 1985's landmark Crisis on Infinite Earths. In the ensuing years, we've seen Infinite Crisis, Final Crisis, and as this show is being recorded, we are currently in the midst of Dark Crisis, uh, and it's just been renamed Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, that, that news is so recent it wasn't even in the script. Uh, Justice League of America number 21 is cover dated August 1963. The cover has been homaged many times. It features the JLA at their table holding hands uh, as if they're in a seance with a crystal ball in the center with the JSA appearing above them in a cloud of smoke that emanates from the crystal ball as the older team appears to gaze down fondly at their successors who appear quite startled uh, in the moment. The credits on this issue are as follows. Garner Fox writer Mike Sikowski pencils Bernard Sachs, Inks, Gaspar Saladino, Letters, with a cover by Mike Sikowski and Murphy Anderson. Now, while I have the copy of this comic, today I'm reading from the Volume 1 uh, of the magical trade paperback collection, Crisis on Multiple Earths. There are six volumes of JSA, JLA crossovers, and two volumes of the individual character crossovers. Well, without further ado, let's get the cosmic treadmill up and running and head on over to Earth 2. Trapped in their headquarters, imprisoned by a team of master villains, the Justice League of America turns to the Justice Society of America for help. In turn, the Justice Society will use the assistance of the Justice League in this strange game of turnabout in two worlds. Never before have both bands of superheroes met, but never before has there been such a crisis on Earth-1. On the left side, we have the roll call. Adam, Aquaman, Flash, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, John Jones, Superman, and Wonder Woman. And, representing the Justice Society of America, again, Adam, Black Canary, Dr. Fate, Flash, Green Lantern, Hawkman, and Our Man. The splash here is a, uh, another version of the cover, except the uh, image is reversed, and we have the JSA looking at an uh, uh, image of the, J, uh, the JLA at their table looking at the crystal ball. Uh, in the secret sanctuary of the Justice League of America, its members meet in an emergency session. Acting as chairman for this meeting is the famous crime fighter from Gotham City, Batman. Fellow members, we are assembled here today because of the challenge from a new team of evildoers, the Crime Champions. Kronos, Felix Faust, and Dr. Alchemy have all alerted us to the fact that they intend to rob the power of Citibank, a sunken ship, and a Safeway armored car. They boast they will rob and elude us no matter what we do. John Jones speaks up. Those characters never learn. Adam, let's you and I, with Aquaman, team up to teach that occult magician Felix Faust a lesson. Wonder Woman, you and Green Lantern and I will deal with the time thief Kronos, says Batman. The Flash follows. Superman, Green Arrow, and I will take on Dr. Alchemy and his Philosopher's Stone. Picking up the gauntlet of battle hurled down by the master criminals, the Champions of Justice set out. Why, the broad grin, Green Arrow, asked the Atom. I was just thinking about Snapper, who won't be with us because he's taking college exams this week. Looks like he'll be missing out on all the action again. And, of course, he's referring to Snapper Carr, the Justice League's uh, uh, mascot, quote-unquote, a teenager who helps with uh, helps out sometimes. Unknown to the Justice League of America, at the same moment on a duplicate Earth, op occupying the same space 
as our own Earth, but separated from it because it vibrates at a different speed, is gathered a similar organization, the Justice Society of America. And it says, the editor's note, uh, with the asterisk, C for the Flash, number 123, the Flash of Two Worlds, to explain what this whole vibrating at different speeds thing is about. Sure is good to be back together in our modernized headquarters, says Dr. Fate. And our man follows up. And to know we've been challenged to a showdown fight. For those readers unfamiliar with the two Earths in which Barry, Flash, Allen, and Jay Garrick operate, we point out that two objects like our planet Earth and its duplicate can inhabit the same place if they vibrate, as all matter does to an extent, at different speeds. By vibrating swiftly, both Jay Flash and Barry Flash have been able to travel in and out of both Earths. And in, the, in this other Earth of Jay Flash, the Justice Society of America is meeting after a lapse of 12 years which equals back to 1951 and their final appearance in All-Star Comics number 57. Ever since Vandal Savage captured some of us and we were rescued by the two Flashes, I've looked forward to this get-together, says Golden Age Green Lantern Alan Scott. You aren't the only one, Green Lantern, chimes in Black Canary. Yes, after more than a decade of inactivity, the old Justice Society of America is meeting once again. True, there are a few gray hairs showing, and their faces are lined with the passage of time, but their mighty powers are only slightly dimmed. And then we have just a quick shot uh, with a montage of their faces and who they are. Because now remember, these kids reading comics, uh, these comics in 1963 have never seen Black Canary, Dr. Fate, Our Man, Hawkman, the Golden Age Adam, the Golden Age Green Lantern, and they've only recently been reintroduced to the, the Golden Age Flash. So this is a lot of uh, exposition in order to set the story up so that you don't have to have read those other stories to understand what's going on. Dr. Fate announces, Since our revised bylaws call for a rotating membership of seven, we have been chosen by lot for our first case. Though they aren't here, I have congratulatory messages from Starman, Sandman, Wonder Woman, Dr. Midnight, and the others. And then what's this showdown fight about? asks our man. As the chairman, Hawkman, speaks up. We've been challenged by our old enemies, the Fiddler, the Wizard, and the Icicle, to try and stop them as they commit a trio of billion-dollar robberies. Pleased smiles break out on the faces of the old-time champions of justice. Ah, Black Canary says, I feel younger already. The Fiddler, what memories I have of him, says the Flash. And the Green Lantern. And I of my old nemesis, the Icicle. Eagerly, the Super Seven leap to their feet. Flash, Adam, shall I bring back the good old days by teaming up together? Asked Hawkman. How about a Green Lantern? You and I had some great adventures side by side. Shall I relive them? The Black Canary says. Dr. Fate reaches out to our man. It's been a long time, and I can hardly wait to get going. Out from their new headquarters stream, the old-timers fill with new life, eager for the match, matching of wits and muscles with their own crime champions. Then why wait? We know where the fiddler will strike, says Hawkman, and where the wizard will show up for his crime, says Green Lantern. The icicle can't make things too cold to please me, says Our Man. And that is chapter one. Once again, we're splitting the separate chapters here. Uh, a lot of exposition before we get the story going, but of course it's necessary, so kids reading at the time knew who these uh, characters hadn't been seen in so long were. Crisis on Earth One, Chapter Two. Over the sunken hull of a modern ocean liner, held aloft by his sorcerer's power, stands that master of mystical magic, Felix Faust. As his voice rolls out above the waves, the sea opens up. By gill of fish and sharp's tough hide, by wave by foam now sea divide. 
racing down the magic stairway he calls another incantation and in answer to that verbal summons up gold up cash up through the ship so he is using his powers to steal the uh the treasure out of this sunken cruise ship it's a uh, fairly recent but he's not alone born aloft by his magic seashell a looted safe filled with a million dollars as his cargo felix faust is sighted by aquaman he commands the fish with him. Attack, my brothers of the waves. Stop this wicked man from stealing money that belongs to the steamship company. Their divers located it. It belongs to them. Titanic laughter bursts from the lips of the mighty image as he cries out, Roll sea, crash waves, meet ocean, and engulf all within your motion. With a sullen roar, the sea waters boom together with such stunning force that the denizens of the deep are knocked senseless, while at the same time, Another old enemy of mine, the Martian Manhunter. Well, I can handle you as easily as I did, Aquaman. So he parted the sea like Moses with his magic and was able to use his powers to have the, the treasure lift uh, lift and fly up to his magic seashell before crashing the waves back to get the water back together to uh, knock the big whales and fish that Aquaman is uh, commanding with his telepathy. As the master of magic utters a suitable incantation, the very air bursts into fireballs, which hurtle down at John Jones. Fire burn, fire fall, fire come to one and all. As we all know, fire is something a Martian manhunter is susceptible to. Oh, I'm losing my Martian powers fast. The Adam, who is riding on his shoulder, jumps off, announcing, I can lend a hand here. Making himself light as a feather, the atom rides the sea winds until, by increasing my weight, I can turn this fireball away from the Martian Manhunter. The fireball hits another, drives it sideways as the tiny titan slams into a third. So swiftly does the atom work that he clears a path for his fellow member. Now blow, Martian Man, the Manhunter, as hard as you can. So Martian Manhunter has super breath like, uh, like Superman, and he blows the atom towards uh, Felix Faust. The atom is, of course, uses size and weight controls to remain uh, six inches tall and uh, light as a feather. The atom's clenched fist crashes the target. Huh? I'm hitting nothing but a mist, wisp of mist. And, of course, he would have increased his weight once he uh, uh, was prepared to smack into his jaw. But Felix Faust has disappeared. Where'd he go? Your guess is as good as mine, Martian Manhunter. All I know for sure is Felix Faust eluded us as he said he would. Along Route 55, an armored money truck speeds toward an oddly garbed man who is nothing other than Dr. Alchemy, super criminal. My one-time Philosopher's Stone that flash hurled into space was later recovered by me and altered into a matter transformer. See showcase number 14, The Man Who Changed the Earth, if you have the, the money to pick up that issue. As the beam from the matter transformer hits the armored car's wheels, I've turned the wheels into rocks, grinding the truck to a halt. The sudden jar of its stop knocked the driver and the guard out. Once again, Dr. Alchemy focuses his strange weapon in. Now that I've transformed the truck's fenders into wings, I'll fly the armored truck away with its million dollars in cold cash. To meet the challenge of the super criminal comes Superman, Green Arrow, The Flash, speeding into Central City from different directions. Uh, Green Arrow is using his aeroplane, something we don't see uh, hardly at all anymore. Superman is flying, and of course the Flash is running. As the Scarlet speeds to hurl hurdles past the road marker, an astonishing change takes place. What? What's happening to me? I'm vibrating so swiftly I'm being shaken apart. At this moment along Route 55, Superman's arrives to see Alchemy. And as he approaches, Alchemy zaps him 
actually he zaps the telephone pole near him, turning it into a uh, a telephone pole made of kryptonite. Struggling to reach the great criminal, Superman lurches away from the telephone pole, only to meet further disaster. A hydrant, a fire hydrant, also turned into kryptonite. It's too close, too close to the hydrant to go any further. Meanwhile, Green Arrow has landed, and as he's racing to help the Man of Steel, he realizes his feet are trapped in a river of glue. Uh, Alchemy has turned this part of the street into glue. Though trapped, Green Arrow is still a formidable opponent. My stun arrow will knock you out. And Alchemy, ever ready, turns the arrow shaft into a harmless twig. Upward rises the flying money truck away from the helpless Green Arrow and Superman. There he goes, and neither Superman nor I can stop him. And where's the Flash? He never showed up at all. The Flash has already been taken care of in a very special way. Alchemy laughs. Green Arrow shoots a couple of paint arrows at the fire hydrant. Uh, and since lead was used in paint back in those days, we know that's a big health hazard now. Uh, the lead in the paint as it covers the hydrant is able to block the kryptonite's uh, radiation from reaching Superman. Next moment, the two Justice League members are airborne after their quarry. Hold on, Green Arrow. Up, up, and away we go after that crook. Green Arrow is riding on the back of Superman as Superman flies toward the, the money truck that he's driving. It's essentially a uh, like an armored car with wings and such. As Superman reaches out his hands, he's gone, disappeared right in front of us. He made good his boast. He did elude us. Meanwhile, at Power City, a queer craft touches the wall of its great bank. Aboard this craft, it looks like a big uh, hovering disc uh, with a, uh, a rail around the top. What a time I'll have with the million dollars in this bank. My hourglass with its bottled time will age the bank wall where it's hit so fast the bricks will crumble to powder. And of course, this is Kronos. As the deadly time bomb crashes into fragments, the bank wall opens to the assault of its misty contents. Concentrated time is as deadly to those bricks as corrosive acid. It's time to stop, step through the vault into the vault itself. So... What Kronos has here is a, a little, uh, basically a hand grenade made of, uh, that contains time, something he is able to have captured, and by adding the time to the wall, it makes it age. Once inside the vault, Kronos snatches up the money for which he has come with while in the distance. I've timed this just right. Here come Wonder Woman, Batman, and Green Lantern to try and stop me. And of course we have uh, Batman and Wonder Woman each flying their own planes. So that's three separate planes we've seen so far. The aeroplane, the bat plane, and Wonder Woman's invisible jet. Uh, as the flying sundial emerges from the bank vault, well, as soon as my magic lasso tightens around him, Cronus is our prisoner, thinks Wonder Woman as she hurls her golden lasso at Cronus. Then, from a watch held up by the time tyrant, nothing like a helping hand from the hands of time, those clock hands started out and moved my lasso away from Kronos. In almost the same motion, he turns toward Batman, who is dropping from his bat plane to the attack. It will soon be crystal clear what I have in store for you, Batman. The razor-sharp edge of the watch crystal slices the rope, and the Gotham Goliath falls forward. Then as the Emerald Gladiator closes in with his power ring, Kronos shoots out a golden, a golden mist that is uh, going to block any attempt Green Lantern has. Uh, remember at this time in the comics, Green Lantern's ring doesn't work on anything yellow. 
Saving the lives of her two fellow members is more important to the Amazon princess than catching Kronos. So, merciful Minerva, in case in that golden mist, Green Lantern is plummeting earthward, just as Batman is. I must rescue him. So she lassoes Green Lantern, and Green Lantern, once he is uh, safe, safely being whisked up, uses his power ring to catch Batman in a in a ring construct basket. Uh, they turn their attention towards Kronos, but to their sudden amazement they see he's drifting apart as if he were no more than mist. What happened to him? And he disappears just as the other two. What happened to Kronos and to Felix Faust and Dr. Alchemy? As each of them vanish, let us follow them through space and time to an unsuspected borderland between the two Earths. On the rim of Twin Earths, in a great sphere of vibratory energy, the arch-criminals come face-to-face -face with another trio of crime champions. Everything went as we planned it, says Dr. Alchemy. How did you make it on your Earth? Listen, says the wizard. I met my old enemies, Green Lantern and the Black Canary, defeated their every effort with the magic arts I learned in Mystic Tibet. My nemesis is wood, as the wizard is only too well aware. And we see the wizard smacking Green Lantern up with a, a baseball bat, a chair, a tree, uh, a bureau. He's sending cyclonic winds at me. I can't make a headway against him, uh, says Black Canary, as there's a giant fan uh, blowing her backwards. The fiddler laughs as he picks up the story. It did my heart good to come to grips with former foes like Hawkman, Flash, and the Atom. The fiddler plays his violin, creating uh, his his special music that uh, can destroy things. Uh, the intense disciples from the fiddler's violin are ripping my wings to shreds. Those awful vibrations shaking me up. I'm drifting into atoms. That eerie music causing a wall to fall on me. The icicle chuckles coldly and says, Our man and Dr. Fate did their best, or no match for my icy nerves. We see Our Man. This ice block will hold me just long enough for my hour-long superpowers to fade out. Dr. Fate counters. My magic will melt those ice spears, but by that time the icicle will have escaped. And the icicle is shooting some uh, ice, uh, I guess, ice projectiles at Dr. Fate. As the creature three... As the three crime champions from Earth 2 conclude their recital, the portable vibrator you gave us worked perfectly, Fiddler. I don't want to read that sentence ever again. The portable vibrator. Oh my. With them, we were able to fade away from Earth 1, vibrate ourselves at super swift speed, and to reappear here. It was a lucky day for me when I discovered the vibratory pitch that opens the doors between our Earths, says the Fiddler. As you recall, the icicle, the wizard, and I were escaping from our Earth 2 jail thanks to a special violin string I made that shattered our cell bars. The guards are closing in on us, Fiddler. I'll try a different string. See if you can... See if the sound can stop them. I struck another note on my violin, and as it rang out, the Earth around us shimmered and quivered. We seemed to have been shifted to another universe. Then we found ourselves on a stage in Central City, Earth 1. We've emerged in another Earth, right in the middle of a show. Editor's note. Readers of the Flash stories will be quick to understand that this is the same stage which Barry Allen vibrated into the other Earth of Jay Garrick. You will recall, Lizzie read that uh, in episodes 1 and 2, we saw, uh, we, we saw that happen when Barry uh, first crossed over to Earth 2 from Earth 1, and when he had to do it later on in order to go uh, check on the mysterious lights in episode 2. Crisis on Earth 1, Chapter 3 
in a misty borderland between two Earths separated by only a few degrees of vibratory speed. Safe from discovery by their enemies, the Justice League and the Justice Society are gathered six crime champions. They chuckle over the triumphs and plan to live their lives of ease. As you appeared on the stage in Central City, Felix Faust, Dr. Alchemy and I were about to rob the proceeds of the stage show. Seeing you in convict garb, Dr. Alchemy and I created a disturbance and rescued you while Kronos grabbed the show loop. Then I made with the six of us invisible with my magic and spirited us out of there so the police and the Justice League wouldn't know you had come into our Earth from yours. It was a lucky thing we did, too. Yes, the Fiddler answers Felix Faust. Your generosity to us paid handsome dividends because now you can each take the million dollars you stole from under the noses of the Justice League and go into our Earth and spend it without fear of apprehension. I wonder what they're going to buy. What would criminals who crossed over Earths like that buy if they stole a bunch of money? I know we're going to find out, but it just strikes me that you would want to steal money to have on your own Earth to live, not just to buy stuff. Let's see, though. Six supervillains turn and smile, for nearby they see the two speedsters safely pinned inside vibratory bubbles. So they've captured the two flashes. They ran right into the vibratory traps you set for them and were dissipated in their molecular structure and reassembled inside those small spheres. Of course, they did this because the flashes are the only two that can uh, travel between the two worlds. All that remains now is for us to use the portable vibrators the portable vibrators again. Oh my gosh. <sighs> and go into each other's worlds. Where in our civilian identities we can enjoy the fruits of our crimes without either the Justice League or the Justice Society bothering us. I guess this issue could have been called Crisis of the Portable Vibrators also. And so it is that while Kronos, Felix Faust, and Dr. Alchemy enjoy a life of ease on Earth 2, the Fiddler, Wizard, and Icicle and their civilian identities frequent the vacation resorts of Earth 1, completely safe from punishment for their crimes. So they're going on a vacation. Looks like they're at a, uh, a beachfront resort somewhere. Maybe Miami Beach. It is not long before the night of so much wealth the sight of so much wealth about them causes the crime champions from Earth 2 to itch for action. How can I resist the temptation? So much money and jewels and other valuables. Going to waste because no one's here to take them. Except us. I must send out a signal to my confrere. Summon them to meet me in the casino town. In Casino Town, USA. Casino Town, USA? What the heck is that? I guess it's a uh, DC Comics Earth 1 analog of Atlantic City. You agree, then, that we owe it to ourselves to rob this entire city? Yes, but only by masquerading as Kronos, Felix Faust, and Dr. Alchemy to protect our true identities. So our Earth-2 villains are going to uh, dress up as the Earth-1 villains. I like your idea. How to do our fellow crime chief as a favor at the same time, wizard? I suggest we challenge the Justice League of America to a showdown battle and get rid of them once and for all. We'll show our friends that their enemies are no match for us. We can work out traps against the Justice League members. We'll be absolutely helpless. Not long after, from a crystal ball in the souvenir room in the secret headquarters of the Justice League, where the members meet to discuss their recent defeat, Members of the Justice League, this is Felix Faust offering you another chance to catch us. You failed once, but surely you'd like to try again. There's that uh, crystal ball from the cover. High excitement brings every member, even the late arrival, Green Lantern, about the talking crystal ball. We have just robbed Casino Town of its very last penny. We will wait ten minutes for you, waiting with open arms full of loot to see if you can take it away from us. I just recharged my power ring. 
enters Green Lantern, and what's up? When the voice fades out, Green Lantern is told of the challenge. Then, Superman, using his telescopic vision, uh, peers off into the distance, as does Martian Manhunter, to get a beat on them in Casino Town. And then we see Alchemy, uh, we see uh, the wizard dresses after Alchemy in Casino Town. Uh, here, We've laid eight traps. Two of them are these poker chips of hard rubber and the wood wheel of a roulette table. The icicle, with the aid of the Tibetan magic, is now a dead ringer for Kronos, and Felix Faust has become, and the Fiddler has become Felix Faust. The last three hidden dooms are to be found in a jewel, in a jewel, some ordinary sand, and a pool of cold, clear water. When all laid enchanted objects are touched, the magical trap will be sprung. Suddenly, racing through the door, the doors of the Golden Egg, mightiest gambling emporium in Casino Town, come Batman, Wonder Woman, and Green Lantern. There's Kronos now. Keep your eyes peeled for those time tricks of his. Guard yourself, Batman. My time numerals will shock you senseless if they touch you. The Gotham Goliath leaps somewhat sideways into a slot machine, tilting it so that, at the same instant, the Amazon Princess hurls her magic lasso. Now that I've got my magic lasso around you, Kronos, I will order you to obey me. The time isn't right for my capture, Wonder Woman. The next moment, Kronos yanks the lasso and slams Wonder Woman against the wall. Merciful Minerva, my lasso refused to obey me, and uh, I'm knocked. News head off the wall. Haha, <laughs> not really being Kronos, I was not forced to obey Wonder Woman's command. While all this has been going on, the Emerald Gladiator dashes at his foe, firing a beam from his power ring. Suddenly, Green Lantern crashes into a wall of yellow glass. Magic prevented you from seeing that wall of yellow glass until it was too late for you to do so. Now that you three have touched metal, animal, and glass, you are doomed. Ha <laughs> ha. In another gambling room, Superman charges at, quote, Dr. Alchemy, end quote, in reality, the wizard. Ah, the closer I came to him, the weaker I get, for there's no kryptonite around. No longer able to maintain his balance, the Man of Steel sags sideways into a craps table. You've been touched by those hard rubber betting chips, Superman, and have doomed yourself. Even as Superman collapses, Green Arrow discovers that his arrow shafts are being deflected by a flying roulette wheel. That flying wooden roulette wheel blocks my every shaft. Of course, Green Arrow, I arranged it that way. Leaping forward, the archer seizes the wheel, hurls it to one side. I'll get rid of it, then we'll see who laughs last. Too late, Green Arrow, you've touched our enchanted wood. Meanwhile, Aquaman corners Felix Faust. Rise up! you stones and fly about, toss him aside and win the bout. The paving stones are rising up because of his magic, making me fall sideways. And he falls into sand. From above, the tiny titan drops from a wind current at full speed, just as fly fast, Adam, true sapphire blue. Hit Adam, drop Adam, this day to rue. Felix Faust whirls and counters the Martian Manhunter's approach with a blast of fire, and he must dive into the water next to him. Regrouping the Justice League, members leap once more to the attack. Here they come. At our last meeting, we disappeared in order to escape you. Now it's your turn to disappear, says Kronos. Within an instant, the Justice Leaguers are wafted away from Casino Town to their own secret sanctuary. How did we get here? I think I can answer that, based on the fact that there was no kryptonite anywhere in that gambling casino. Since my only other weakness is magic, it was magic that defeated us. Magic that brought us here, explains Superman. And it's magic that's keeping us keeping us here, says Batman. These doors won't be budged. 
My willpower isn't strong enough to get my ring to open them. Yes, it's magic, all right. My telescopic vision cannot penetrate these walls, nor my Martian vision. A mighty magical barrier has been placed around our headquarters. I can't even slip through the keyhole. This means we're imprisoned here with no way out. Why not fight magic with magic? Merlin gave us this magical crystal ball as a souvenir of our adventure with the Sinister Sorcerers. Editor's Note. See Justice League of America number 2, Secret of the Sinister Sorcerers. Felix Fouth used it to send his voice magically into our hideout, so it works. A great idea, Batman. Seated about the council table, the members join hands. This must be worked like a seance. Concentrate. The magic inherent in the crystal ball will be focused and respond to the guidance of our combined minds. Let's try and contact the Flash first. It's just possible he was put out of the way because he had some special knowledge. It works, and they get a vision of Barry Allen. The Flash. I'm trapped myself, fellow members, but you've been up against villains from a second Earth vibrating close to our own. Listen. What can we do, Flash? Isn't there some way out of this predicament? Yes, use the crystal ball to summon the Justice Society to Earth-1. They won't be bound by the magic that hampers you. And here we get the cover image with the Justice Society in the mist from the crystal ball. And bam! They appear right in the room with them. Within moments, the images of the Justice Society are materialized on Earth-1, and an exciting historical meeting takes place. That is exactly right. It is an historical, an exciting and historical meeting. I don't know if they knew at the time that this whole Justice Society coming back and being integral part of the DC Universe would uh, be maintained up to this very day, including uh, the upcoming Black Adam film featuring some members of the JSA in it. But we've been issued a challenge by your enemies, Kronos, Dr. Alchemy, and Felix Faust. With a spell, I'll send you to our Earth to fight them, says Dr. Fate. While we stay here to fight our foes, the Icicle, Fiddler, and the Wizard, follows Hawkman. With the magical help of Dr. Fate, the Justice League is shifted to the headquarters of the Justice Society. While on Earth-1, the Justice Society easily pierces the magical barrier, barrier that cannot hold them because it was not directed against their powers. I'm sorry, against their persons. On a dual assignment in the misty borderlands between the two Earths, the two Green Lanterns race to free the imprisoned Flashes. Definitely not the end. The startling, stupendous climax of the story in which the superheroes of the Justice League team up with their alter egos, the Justice Society, will appear in the next issue. And of course, that story is entitled Crisis on Earth 2, which we will get to in the very next episode. That's a fun story. I really like that. I'm sure you can tell. Um, I didn't uh, I didn't hold back on that one. All of the whole... Uh, portable vibrators thing threw me. I haven't actually sat down and read that in a while and I think it's probably the first time I've ever read that and thought of that uh, in a different context so uh, you might get a chuckle out of that. Well thank you for joining me. That was fun. Next episode we have part two of the first meeting of the Justice League and Justice Society. Uh, Crisis on Earth 2 from Justice League of America number 22. Thank <laughs> you.